You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said to the people who had come to check him out. You know, as I was driving in this morning, it, the thought crossed my mind that um, Jesus did not start with what a lot of people hear right off the bat in church. He did not start out by saying, you are terrible sinners going to hell. He did not say that, did he? He didn't lead with that. I point that out simply because there's a lot of churches that do lead with that. Keep that in your heart and mind. As Matthew tells the tale, Jesus has gone up to the top of a natural amphitheater to deliver a message we've named the Sermon on the Mount. And as I like to remind you, if you were to come to Israel with me in June or July, we will sit in that amphitheater. He's giving the Sermon on the Mount, an extremely compelling summary of, the, of ethics and spirituality. It's Matthew 5 to 7. If you have an opportunity this afternoon, it won't take you long. It's breathtaking. Five, Matthew 5 and 7, 5 to 7. It's the heart of Christ's ethic. After telling the poor in spirit, the meek, all who mourn, the merciful, the peacemakers and the persecuted, that they were all blessed. Jesus announced to everyone present that they were also salt and light. He said it as a statement of fact. You are. Not some of you might be. Uh, maybe eventually you'll get there. No, it was, a, it was a direct statement of fact. You are salt and light. And I'm guessing most of the people had never really considered such a thing. Especially those who were poor in spirit and so on. Likely they had gone to hear Jesus for their own idiosyncratic reasons. Not unlike how all of us wound up here this morning. A Sunday morning worship service in 2020 gathers up a whole lot of different purposes and expectations among the attendees. Each of us has our reasons for being here this morning. Someone here is searching for comfort, I can guarantee it. Another comes for a paycheck. No names. <laughs> Guy in the back is, comes for the music. A woman on my left wants an alert sermon. The young gay man on my right wants acceptance. The 86-year-old seeks peace of mind and heart, while the 22-year-old who is racked with anxiety is on fire for deep purpose and direction. And all of these various needs, wants, desires, and expectations f fall within the bounds of these walls that have been dedicated to the life, teachings, and character of the same one 
who told that first century congregation they were all salt and light. So now we hear the same announcement. Each one of us, salt and light. You likely didn't come today with that particular thought in mind, and now as you hear it, you might wonder how that could possibly be true and if it matters. I'm guessing in the original telling, the same range of questions were present. Who, me? Salt and light? Is that right? You can tell right off that there is an extremely strong affirmation embedded within that naming. We might think of it as a kind of spiritual self-esteem related to the idea that we've all been created in the image of God, the famous Imago Dei, the image of God, all people created in God's image, which we forget daily and routinely. In this sense, we could be said to share the same middle name, you know, Glenn, child of God, Collins, Christopher, child of God, Lee, right? Each one of us sharing the same family name, that we often don't live into the meaning of the name makes it no less true. If we're each born a prince of the kingdom, but don't live as though that were true, doesn't change the fact of our status. We remain royalty. Likewise, each one of us, salt and light, says Jesus. Salt of the earth, light of the world. We know how naming can work in reverse. I recently told you a story of a young boy who told me his name was stupid because that's what everyone called him. A couple of weeks ago, I shared this story with you. Later in the day, I witnessed his father scream at him, My God, you are just so stupid! as they left the building. But not before the boy glanced up and caught my eye for a long moment, and then he shrugged his shoulders and walked out the door. That happened a long time ago, early in my ministry, but I've never forgotten the knowing look in the boy's eyes and the pain and insight that we shared for a moment. Well, Jesus accomplished the exact opposite in his naming. He redignified the lowly, the poor, the merciful, and so on by reasserting their place within the created order. No one was less than another. No one was inherently greater than another. No one fell outside the bounds of the extended family. All were meant to be with, included within God's kingdom. All children of light, all children of God, all salt and light, each one of us, salt and light. And as Jesus said, if salt loses its taste, it's worthless, as is a light under a bushel. In other words, for God's sake, live into your birthright. Live into it, own it, claim it. It's who you are in your essence. 
Make it your own. In a book entitled The Hole in the Gospel, Richard Stearns tells his personal story of his relationship with a Christian humanitarian relief organization called World Vision. This organization's mission is dedicated to working with children, families, and their communities worldwide to reach their full potential by tackling the causes of poverty and injustice, serving alongside the poor and the oppressed, reflecting God's unconditional love for all people. This mission has evolved over the years, especially focusing on eradicating the ravages of AIDS, and under Stern's leadership grew into the largest private independent relief organization in the world. I think their budget now approaches $2 billion. Well, what's especially compelling about this story for this morning's purposes concerns Stearns himself and his life journey that presented him with a choice related to his own identity as salt and light. He was a man of humble origins. He grew up poor. But he aggressively climbed his way to CEO of a large corporation that made luxury goods. He lived very well in a mansion with all ancillary accoutrements of the great American success story. He accomplished what many of us in this room would like to accomplish. He was a striver. He was competent. He was driven and self-satisfied. He also identified as a certain sort of Christian. Well, one day, out of the blue, a headhunter invited him to consider leaving his lucrative career, lifestyle, and limitless potential to become president of World Vision. Stearns reports he thought the request was absolutely ludicrous, even humorous. He knew absolutely nothing about real needs of poor people and certainly nothing about how to lead an organization dedicated to addressing those needs. But he then unravels a complicated, deeply moving and wrenching story of how he came to actually consider the position that would reduce his income by more than 80%. And on the very same day, interestingly, he was leaving on a fact-finding mission that would determine his decision. He was visited by an acquaintance, a wealthy investor, who was purchasing and amalgamating several large businesses. And he invited this friend, invited Stearns to join him as CEO with a stake initially vesting at $50 million. The meat of Stearns' personal story concerns his awakening to what it meant for him to be salt and light. His discovery that the gospel he had been following had a large hole in the middle of it with a rather self-serving, perhaps even self-righteous end. He awakened to the meaning of his actual sacred identity and he wound up turning down his friend's offer to take on the new challenge that would radically alter his understanding of the nature of Jesus' way in the world. As AIDS activist and rocker Bono reports to friends Stern's form of worship is to be the eyes of the blind and the feet of the lame he is much more than a powerful voice in the fight against AIDS 
and extreme poverty. He is an action hero. And for our purposes today, I add, he awoke to what it meant to be salt and light for himself. Identifying himself with the same concerns Jesus had. His story is <laughs> very compelling. But you know, I'm guessing that I'm not going to be receiving a call from a headhunter this week inviting me to consider a radical change from my rather comfortable life. On the other hand, I just heard for the thousandth time, as though for the first, that I am salt and light. And you heard it too. You heard it too. All of us together, salt and light. For whatever set of reasons brought us here, that's the message the namesake of this church wants us to hear this morning. I feel certain about that. All of us can sense the sadness of the young boy named Stupid as he left the church with his father. We could imagine what he took out into the world with him on that day. That this happened in a church is a bleak irony, but one with which we're all acquainted, having from time to time truly lost track of who's who and what's what, sensing a hole in the middle of whatever gospel we've been following. But now, suppose all of us took out into the world our identities as salt and light. Suppose we actually did that. Suppose we went home and thought about the ramifications of our birthright. Child of God, salt and light. Setting aside our pretensions and superior airs and obfuscations and sophistications and self-importance and self-righteousness and so on. What would happen if we did that? And then suppose we returned here and found common cause as salt and light with one another, with each other. Imagine if we did that, found common cause here. What might we do? What might we become? Let your imagination run wild. We don't allow that often enough. You heard the prophet Isaiah proclaim, let your light break forth like the dawn. Let the glory of the Lord be your rear guard. You shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, oh my, do we need this today. Salt and light today is what we need. If you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach. That's what Isaiah said. 
And I say, that's what it means to be salt and light for the world. This doesn't require a call from a headhunter. <laughs> doesn't require that. It begins by accepting your birthright. That's where it begins. Your birthright. Your birthright. That's where it begins. Do you have your birthright in mind? Do you know who you are? Do you know that you are beloved before creation was even born? That you are cherished desperately? And that you are meant to be bearers of salt and light for the world? 